catching up with regional Aotearoa now. Today's correspondent is Kim Bowden, Crux editor, senior journalist, covering Queenstown, Wanaka and Cromwell. He's on the line from somewhere near Cromwell right now. Kia ora, Kim. Yeah, kia ora. I'm in Lowburn by Cromwell. Nice to be here. Lovely to be uh, on with you. Central Otago District Council Chief Executive Peter Kelly. Now, this sounds like a bit of a potential split within the local community in terms of uh, four community boards having decision-making. Um, but one of them is saying the others are voting them down. Tell us more. Yeah, so this story relates to the new chief executive of the Central Otago District Council, Peter Kelly. He's been in the job since September, and he started the year with quite a bold proposal to rein in the traditional decision-making powers that the community boards in his district have. Now, there's four community boards, and at the moment, um, they've got a delegated power that's been in place since Oh, 1989, way back when the Central Otago District Council came into being. And it's pretty unusual. The mayor's told me in the past that when he goes to mayoral forums around the country, people are really surprised at exactly the decision-making clout that our community boards have. For example, in Cromwell at the moment, uh, the local community board is actually the governing power looking after a $43 million new event centre project. So they get to make all the decisions on this multi-million dollar um, project. Traditionally, the community board's um, have decision-making power around considerable assets that exist within the awards. So these assets, say you sell them, the proceeds from uh, any sale would be ring-fenced and the community board gets to decide how that money might be spent and the money spent within the wards. Now, this gets really interesting in Cromwell because Cromwell has quite the nest egg that people are telling me it dates back to pre-dam days. You know, Cromwell was flooded um, and uh, there was a a lot of negotiating that went on with the Crown. And so when it was a Cromwell Borough Council, they had these land assets that they bought into the Central Otago District Council. Um, And so the Mayor and the Chief Executive are very uh, clear with their uh, messaging here that those assets don't belong to the Cromwell Ward. The Local Government Act doesn't allow that. Um, those assets belong to the district. But people in Cromwell have always felt that um, th- those assets were theirs in a historical context. The Mayor says he wants to rein in the decision-making powers that these community boards have so that it better aligns with the Local Government Act. What we're doing now isn't illegal, but it is unusual. Does this mean these assets that Cromwell has, that it has more revenue than the other parts of the council? Mm. I mean, the council still hasn't been able to give me a figure. In fact, they've asked me to put in a Lagoima request to actually go through the books to see uh, under the current practice, how much assets are we talking about? But people on the ground think it's we're, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just some pretty um, good uh, chunks of land that currently are on the council books and and when they sell that money traditionally uh, gets spent within the ward um, and property prices here have gone through the roof in the last few decades since um, uh, you know the the amalgamation into the district council. Um, so yeah, we, we could be talking about quite the sizable nesting here. So there is a lot of lot at stake. The, the mayor prefaces conversations, um, you know, by talking about the financial position of the council and councils all over the country. I'm sure he's flagging 25% rates increases in the year ahead. He's talking about huge infrastructure um, investment needed across three waters um, and across failing rural bridges, and these are district wide costs. And he's saying, hey, at the moment, the way these delegations exist 
this. We can't even have the conversation about if we need a new water treatment facility in X, can we pay for it by uh, selling, uh, you know, an asset in, in, in Y and using some of that proceeds? He said the way the delegations um, stand, that's that access to wealth across the district uh, isn't happening. And, and he thinks it's an important um, conversation to be having in the current climate. But, you know, people in Cromwell aren't as comfortable with this discussion. Yeah, they don't. They want their assets to stay, the proceeds from those assets to stay in Cromwell, right? Whereas the mayor wants it all going to the one pot. Is there any kind of mm-hmm. protest against this in Cromwell? Yeah, so so again, it was the first meeting back at the year that this proposal was put to the community boards. And so far, the three of the four community boards have said, yeah, nothing to see here. We're happy to support this change. But the Cromwell Community Board has... Um, you know, sort of press pause and said, no, we want to submit on this. They've only been given three weeks to put through a submission and then potentially a decision about these delegations will be made at the first full council meeting in um, in February, um, of which only, you know, four of um, the 12 people around that decision-making table represent the Cromwell um, ward. Well, they're going to get so voted what out, we're aren't seeing they, on the ground. They're going to get voted Sorry, out. Sorry, I missed that. They're going to get voted out. Mm, aren't they, they, they will. Um, so, so I guess what the community is trying to do is is, is to um, do everything they can to slow this process down and say, hey, if we're going to have this dis- decision, shouldn't it be a, a wider ranging discussion? And, and also, have we looked at the historical context of this? Do we understand where this asset wealth came from, what its purpose was, and 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 what actually conversations took place at the time that the borough council amalgamated with the Central Otago District Council? My phone's been running off the hook uh, with former community board members, with uh, former Cromwell councillors who are talking to former mayors, um, you know, who are the decision makers at the time that helped generate this intergenerational land wealth, I guess, in Cromwell. And, and um, you know, they, they're frankly quite horrified. They've coined a movement that's called STAG, Stop the Asset Grab. And it's quite um, apt because the local <laughs> pub here is called the Five Stags. Um, but, you know, the, the, the chief executive and the mayor are trying to de-escalate this and they're saying, hey, th- these assets aren't Cromwell's. That's a misconception. This wealth is actually district wealth. Kim, um, could, and um, so, could Cromwell break away? Form its own well, Warwick council? has just tried to do that and break away from the <laughs> QLDC. As we know, around the country, um, I think our, our councils are getting bigger. Um, so there, you know, there is a process that people could go through to uh, with the local government commission. Um, that hasn't been talked about yet, but they're definitely doing everything they can to uh, to talk through the current process um, and and make sure people are brought on board and, and that the historical context is understood. Kim, I want to come back to a Cromwell story before we let you go, but um, down at the lakeside in Queenstown, there, there are new laws which are telling stallholders that you, you you can't be within 15 metres of each other and you have to move every hour. And I'm thinking, this does not sound practical for a stallholder. What's going on here? And is that law in place yet or just proposed? No, it is in place. So this is a new bylaw that uh, affects activities in public places. And it was passed last year uh, with consultation in Queenstown. If you've ever been to Queenstown, down where the big TSS Earnslaw docks, there's a real lively um uh, grass and and um, lakeside area, and there's often stall holders. There's often food trucks and buskers. Um, so these uh, around Christmas time, this story came to a head because council enforcement officers started to walk around and just remind people that this new bylaw came into place late last year, and the stores now have to be 50 metres apart, and they have to move every hour. So that works if you're a busker, um, but it's not so great if you've set up all your crafts or you've got a crepe stall and you've got a big queue of uh, people um, to say, hey, hold it, I'm just going to pack up and 
and move on doesn't work. They're impractical. A counsellor we talked to last year says these new rules are absurd. Well, what, what they, um, so it, the, it sounds to me like they might work for buskers, but not for storeholders. Are the wrong people mm, getting um, moved on by this law? Mm, so this is the interesting thing. And even as a local reporter, I thought, how did I? How did we miss the potential for this story when the bylaw was being consulted on? And I'll tell you why it kind of got missed, because... It turns out these new prescriptive rules that affect, like you said, the stallholders as well as buskers weren't actually articulated in the draft bylaw that went out for consultation. And um, so these new clauses about the 50 metres apart and the moving every hour, they only applied uh, to busking performances. Then at some point when this bylaw was uh, voted on and passed by the council and then put in place, stallholders and charity collectors were were added to these clauses. So now um, the stallholders that are um, feeling a bit put out by this are saying, hey, if we had known this was going to affect us, we would have involved ourselves more in the consultation process. We would have submitted and, and talked about how this these new um, the new letter of the law is um, not practical for us and our businesses. You know, the council is telling us, oh, these bylaws are, are, of course, put in place to protect public places for everyone. They said they have been having complaints about um, the amount of stallholders on the waterfront. They have been having um, complaints about anti-competitive behaviour in these spaces. And they're also saying, hey, there are established markets in that very spot, um, as well as um, out in Frankton, that these stallholders that uh, do take longer to set up and don't want to move, you know, they can go to these official markets. They don't have to, um, you know, set up informally on the, on the um, lakefront. Okay, Kim. Now, last story. Uh, wine flowing down the street back in Cromwell. What's going on, Kim? Yeah, this is a great wee story. So I um, had a few uh, interesting photos messaged to me from from friends last week, and it appeared to be red wine flowing down a street in an industrial area in Cromwell. So I did a quick ring around, and no one seemed to know what was happening among the winemaking community. And maybe 10 or 15 minutes later, I had a sheepish uh, call, a call back from a sheepish-sounding winemaker, very experienced winemaker, who admitted to the fact that he had been transferring some of his prized Pinot Noir um, from a holding tank into a tanker to take it uh, uh, somewhere else for sale. And... Uh, I'm envisioning, um, you know, putting petrol in my car and it just overflowing. And he said it just started squirting out of the hose. And um, before he could stop it, he'd lost 50 litres. It had run down the driveway and made its way into the gutter and um, flowed down along the road. And unfortunately for him, uh, he wasn't able to cover this up because a few uh, passerbys saw uh, the roads running with red wine and sent some photos to the local reporter. How did they identify Um, it? By drinking it? Uh, I did joke about that and said I'd be down there with a straw and the wine uh, maker did uh, stress to me that his wine is much better enjoyed out of a vessel and in fact the vintage last year is a particularly good one he says and as he watched it flow down his driveway he thought to himself it's a blimmin' good colour. Any drunk dogs or birds? I, I can't report on that. I um, I didn't hear any reports of that, but um, I imagine there would be a few people that were a bit upset about losing such good wine down the drain, and the winemaker um, was one of them. I guess it would have tasted a bit gravelly if you had sampled it from the uh, gutter. It's very dusty in these parts this time of year, so yes, it uh, wouldn't have been a particular good drop. <laughs> Kim, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, lovely to be here. That's Kim Bowden, who is the Crux editor, senior journalist, covering Queenstown, Wanaka and Cromwell, which is where she's based.